Section 4 of Stupor Mundi, The Life and Times of Frederick II by Lionel Alshorn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 2, The Child of Mother Church, Part 2. By 1208, however, a measure of peace was restored to the unhappy kingdom, and the Pope determined to secure a matrimonial alliance for his ward. Frederick had narrowly escaped the bonds of wedlock when he was only eight years old. Innocent had attempted to gain for him the hand of a sister of the King of Aragon, but the negotiations were prolonged for several years until finally the proposed bride died. Her elder sister was then chosen in her place, and in 1208 Innocent wrote to Pedro, urging him to delay the match no longer. Your sister, ran the papal missive, will have a noble husband, the offspring of emperors and kings. He is of royal blood both by father and mother. He is endowed with virtues beyond his years. He is passing from the gates of boyhood into years of discretion at a quicker pace than usual, whence we may expect the happiest results. His kingdom is rich and noble. It is the naval and harbor of other realms. It will be of advantage to Aragon, and is especially beloved by us, being the peculiar possession of the successor of St. Peter. The proposed match was one that is curious enough to modernize. The boy Frederick was only fourteen and a half years of age. The lady Constance was at any rate ten years his senior and was a widow. She had married the King of Hungary and borne him a child when her second husband was only nine. The disparity in age was, however, ignored by Innocent and Pedro, though we are unacquainted with the sentiments of the two persons who were most intimately concerned in the matter. In 1209 all obstacles to the alliance were overcome, and Constance, attended by five hundred knights, sailed to Palermo and was united to her youthful bridegroom amidst great rejoicings. In spite of the fact that their own inclinations had not been consulted, the royal pair seemed to have quickly adapted themselves to circumstances, and a very real affection grew up between them. It must have been of great advantage to Frederick to have a wife of mature years and considerable experience to counsel him in his difficult position. He also secured a more tangible gain— the lady not only brought a handsome dowry with her, but the knights who had conducted her from Aragon were employed by the young king to establish a more effective sway over Apulia. The improvement of his prospects, the dignity of matrimony, and the change from childhood to adolescence now made Frederick yearn for a little more independence and power. The new queen, moreover, was apparently a lady of considerable spirit and encouraged her husband in his increasing dislike of the Pope's too officious overlordship, which was very much in evidence at the Sicilian court. Soon after his marriage we hear of the first acts of rebellion on the part of Frederick against his guardian's authority. The bishopric of Palermo became vacant, and the canons for some reason betrayed a great reluctance to proceed to the election of a successor. Frederick urged them to fulfill their duty, and as they still delayed, commanded them to elect his own nominee. The canons refused and appealed to the Pope, 
whereupon the young king flew into a royal passion and banished them from the kingdom. This act called forth a strong letter of rebuke from Innocent. We are amazed, he wrote, at the conduct of your advisers. Do not usurp our office in things spiritual. Be content with the temporal power which you hold from us. Beware of the doom of Uzzah and Uzziah. Lay not hands upon the ark. It is quite a mistake on your part to think that we conferred to your mother that privilege concerning appeals to Rome by the Sicilian clergy of which you speak. We refused it on her sending ambassadors to us. Do you persevere in your reverence to Rome and recall the canons? We do not know whether Frederick yielded to the demand of Innocent, but next year he again displeased the Pope. Queen Constance urged him to dismiss the Chancellor of the Kingdom, who had been appointed by Innocent, and betrayed too great an anxiety for self-aggrandizement. He was accordingly banished from the court, and another letter of admonishment was the result. As you are now past the age of childhood, wrote Innocent, you should put away childish things. The Bishop of Catania, Chancellor of the Realm, has been your guardian hitherto, and has undergone many toils and sorrows on your behalf. But now, forgetful of his services, you take no notice of him. Recall the Chancellor forthwith, and take his advice henceforth. Let no one assail him, or we shall take it as an outrage done to ourselves. Frederick, however, refused to obey these haughty commands, and the Chancellor was not recalled. Early in the year 1212, the young king, who was now seventeen, was presented by his wife with a son. The infant was named Henry, and was crowned at Palermo as joint ruler of the kingdom with his father. Frederick's position was now daily improving, and his authority was respected throughout Sicily, if not on the mainland. He was able to reward faithful followers with grants of various kinds. The church in Sicily and Apulia was specially favored. The Teutonic Order of Knights, which had been formed shortly after the death of Barbarossa to succor the sick and wounded German crusaders and pilgrims, received various lands and privileges. This order was to be Frederick's loyal supporter and constant friend throughout his life. Some few weeks after the birth of a son to Frederick, a summons came from Germany, which was to effect a rapid and considerable change in his fortunes. On the death of the Emperor Henry VI, and the election which ensued, Frederick, the infant son of that emperor, had been entirely ignored as a possible claimant to the throne, in spite of an oath which had been sworn to Henry by many of the electors. The votes of the majority had been cast for Philip, the brother of the late emperor, and those of the minority for Otto of Brunswick, the head of the house of Gwelf. A civil war immediately broke out between the two rival claimants and raged with extraordinary violence for twelve years. It was an age of cruelty, and the mutual hatred of Hohenstaufen and Gwelf found expression in the most barbarous reprisals, in which neither age nor sex was spared. A young nun who fell into the hands of some Gwelf soldiers was stripped naked, smeared with honey, rolled in feathers, and paraded through the streets on horseback with her face to the tail. 
These same soldiers were then captured by Philip's supporters and boiled in hot water for punishment. The abbot of Gaul seized six of the principal burghers of Arban and cut off their feet, in revenge for a similar mutilation inflicted on one of his servants, whose only offence was that he had been found stealing fuel in a forest. These are merely instances of the savagery with which the war was pursued. Innocent was the only power who might have brought this devastating strife to an end by definitely throwing the moral weight of the papal approval on the side of one candidate. It suited his plans, however, to see Germany wasting her strength in internecine war, and he held his hand, unwilling to support the Hohenstaufens and afraid to incur their anger when they seemed the more likely to succeed. Finally, however, Philip gained the advantage, and Innocent was compelled to recognize him as emperor. The Guelf seemed thoroughly disheartened and broken, when the crime of one man intervened to wrest the fruits of success from Philip's hands. He was assassinated by a private enemy, and his leaderless party lost heart. Otto gained a rapid ascendancy, journeyed to Rome, and was joyfully crowned by Innocent in 1209. If the Pope exulted at the defeat of the Hohenstaufen party, he soon found that the Guelph Emperor was to prove just as refractory as any of the Hohenstaufens had been. Odo had taken various vows of obedience to Innocent at his coronation, and immediately commenced to break them. Among other engagements, he had promised to work no harm to the Pope's ward, Frederick. In 1210, however, he led an army into the young king's Italian dominions and was joined by several turbulent nobles. Within a year, he had conquered the greater part of the mainland and was threatening Frederick in Sicily, when he was summoned back to Germany by the news of a sudden reversal of his fortunes in that country. The flouted pope had excommunicated him for his broken vows, and the Hohenstaufen party, reinforced by many of Odo's former supporters, whom he had alienated by his arrogance or by his excommunication, had again taken the field. The princes of the empire now bethought themselves of the neglected scion of the house of Hohenstaufen, the grandson of their old lord Barbarossa, and the son of their former emperor Henry. They had had their fill of anarchy and civil war, and thought with regret of the days when the emperors of that house had made Germany strong and glorious. The child of Sicily, as he was called in Germany, must now be nearing manhood, and rumor spoke of the high qualities that promised to develop with advancing years. Accordingly, the princes gathered themselves together. The Archbishop of Mayence, the prelates of Magdeburg and Treves, the King of Bohemia, the Landgrave of Thuringia, and the Dukes of Austria and Bavaria. All these high dignitaries assembled at Nuremburg in the October of 1211. They deposed Odo as a heretic and decided to elect the young Frederick of Sicily. The document they drew up to record this resolution is interesting for two reasons. It gives the Germans' own conception of the Holy Roman Empire, and it voices the reports which had reached Germany of the character of their future emperor. God Almighty, seeing by Adam's fall that mankind would abuse free will and would become involved in the nets of contention, set up the Holy Roman Empire that its lord, like a god upon earth, might rule kings and nations and maintain peace and justice. 
after the Greek emperors ceased to do their duty, Holy Mother Church and the Roman Senate and people, recalling the said empire, transplanted its roots into mighty Germany, that this dominion might be propped up by our stately princes, our vigorous knights, and our most brave warriors. The empire without a head is like a ship in a storm without a master pilot. Heresies are springing up and the universal church is being harassed. Bees are scattered when they lose their queen, so kingdoms, if unrestrained by a bit, go to ruin. The sun is eclipsed. The world needs an emperor to check disorders. The nations have cried aloud to God, who has awoke from sleep and bethought him of the empire. He has inspired us, the princes of Germany, who have the right of election, to draw nigh to the throne and to meet together in one place as is our duty. We have been each of us examined as to his will. We have invoked the Holy Ghost and gone through all the customary rites. We have all in common turned our eyes to the illustrious Lord, the King of Germany and Sicily, the Duke of Schwabia, as being worthy of the honor. Though young in years, he is old in character. Though his person is not full-grown, his mind has been by nature wonderfully endowed. He exceeds the common measure of his equals. He is blessed with virtues before his day, as becomes one of the true blood of that august stock, the Caesars of Germany, who have been unsparing of their treasures and persons in order to increase the honor and might of the empire and the happiness of their loyal subjects. So ran the manifesto of the imperial electors. No time was lost in carrying it into effect. A deputy was sent to the Ghibelline towns of Italy to prepare them for the coming of the new lord. Anselm van Justigen journeyed to Rome and gained the assent of the Pope and the citizens to Frederick's elevation. He then made his way to Sicily and the court of Palermo. There he spoke the message of the electors and invited Frederick to leave his kingdom of Sicily and assume the dignity and crown of his imperial forefathers. End of section 4